I think, you know, we're ready to eat our last meal. Um, we're all hungry. You know, we're not full at all. We're starving. Hello and welcome to Always College Football. We are live from Houston, just outside NRG Stadium, just a couple hours away from deciding the national championship. We were at Media Days a little bit earlier, got to visit with both Michigan and Washington, got a couple of things on the inside, not a lot, to be honest with you. Guys were excited to be here. There weren't a lot of real breaking news coming out of Media Days, but we'll sum up kind of what we heard in just a little bit. But we are also gonna have Stanford Steve join the show. We'll hit it from a gambling perspective, but we'll be joined first by Matt Berry. He does a great job on ESPN's YouTube channel. He calls the Thursday night game alongside Dan Mullen. And we have really gotten to enjoy his content as kind of a, a brother, a brotherly match between each other here on the ESPN platform over the last couple months. So we'll have Matt Berry on, we'll have Stamper Steve on, and we'll tell you the sights and sounds of media days that we gathered just a little bit earlier. But it's, let's get things kicked off with Matt Berry. We now welcome in Matt Berry. He does an amazing job as our brother show. I guess we would call it sister show, but we'll call it brother show. Brother show, cousin show. Cousin show, the Matt Berry show, ESPN YouTube. We can also see him on Thursday night games alongside Dan Mullen, who will join the show tomorrow. Yeah. To spill all the dirt on y'all's interaction behind the scenes. He, Mullen has never been happier. Like, he, everyone talks about... He doesn't about, even love ball. Even, he, he doesn't, it's not always college football with him. <laughs> it's the lake in Georgia. It's golf. We're, yeah. we're always college football. But, no, he's, he's always brought up for jobs. Yeah. He spends four or seven days a week with me during college football. See, it's paradise. Yeah, why wouldn't it be? Uh, of course, in sunny Bristol in November. It's gorgeous. 16-hour Saturdays. No, what, piece of cake. What could you want? And then you can see him on always, uh, always in always college football final. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Give me a story behind the scenes of what always, uh, I always want to say always college football. My mind's in that your, mode. Your brain, your brand conscious. My mind's in that mode you're, for a You're minute. loyal to the show. College football final. Yeah. So for those that don't know, these guys, they start taping at 1 o'clock Eastern time after you'd been in the studio for 13 hours. That's right. Is that accurate? So we, we get in at 11.30 a.m. on Saturdays. Yeah. We're in there at 11.30 a.m. we got to be ready for the first halftime, the noon games, everything happens. So we go from noon game to Pac-12 late game after dark till 10.30. Yeah. That game kicks. Well, we have to do that halftime. So midnight-ish, we're done with the final halftime of the day. By then, we're in our college football final rundown. We're looking at the scripts. We're discussing the discussions on the show. <laughs> and if we're lucky, there are nights this year we've been able to go live at midnight. Right. Otherwise... You get in there, to your point, you look at the rundown, well, what games are final? You can start taping out of order, and ideally you walk at 2 a.m. Now, where we got got numerous the times this year. was really good this year. Deion Sanders got us <laughs> three weeks in a row. He had the, what was it, triple overtime against Colorado, Colorado State. State. He had the uh, Oregon game. That, yeah. Well, no, was yeah. that USC Oregon? Either way, we got got by Prime twice. Yeah. And we'd be sitting there, and we would just be like, oh, my God. You're it a zombie. Already. Because is the college football show a record, which it is. It's the end of day. It's the only end of day college football show in the country. Yeah. So you've got to have your most energy and your best energy at the end of your 15-hour day. <laughs> Galloway gets grumpy. No. Mullen gets grumpy. I, we all get grumpy. Yeah. I can't say that I don't, but at the end of the day, like when it's time for college football final, you know 
you're literally on the goal line of ending the long day. Well, it's, we always, I know I always watch it every Sunday. It's appointment television if you love the sport. But I can sense sometimes when Galloway's get a little loopy. See, and, and you know this being in TV, and any, anybody in TV will tell you this, and most people don't know, you would rather be live. 100%. Like, I would rather be live yeah. because there's something in your subconscious that knows you're live. Yeah. So you just got to go. Yes. When you're taping and you know subconsciously you're taping, inevitably there's a screw-up. 100%. And when there's a screw-up at 1-something a.m., and you're just ready to go the hell home, yeah. and a screw-up happens, that's when the grumpiness starts. Yeah, I would imagine that, that, so. That's when we start pointing fingers. Of course. But you know what? Like a good locker room yeah, oh, is, sure. is the captain in that locker room. Uh-huh. i got to keep the whole thing together. I imagine and that you And with those do. two, it's tough. Yeah, I would imagine that but, you do. But, but, but Mullen, less high-maintenance than Palmer. No, I'm not buying that. Palmer, Palmer was... Palmer needs his charcuterie tray delivered, you know, in the middle of the Pac-12 after dark game. Palmer was a thing. Yeah. But, but Palmer, that's Tess's problem now. If I say he could be in, like, Tulum taping Golden Bachelor, but <laughs> right. he's with you. He's in, with us, hanging Bristol, out in Bristol, rocking and rolling. eating Bristol cafeteria food. It's yeah, amazing. What's better than that? Curly fries, legit. Uh, let's talk about this matchup. Yeah. Is there a storyline that has kind of jumped out to you that you seem to be gravitating towards? To me, I love the coach's storyline. Yeah. Because, I look, there's a guy in Jim Harbaugh, local guy, come home, try to make good at his alma mater. He was the biggest get when he came there nine years ago, and it was a Michigan man. Could he lead this program back to where they believe they belong, which is among the elite? They're winning this program in college football history. Been there nine years, six of those nine years, double-digit wins, but was never been able to get over the hump. He got over the Ohio State hump. He got over the Big Ten championship hump. He got over the semifinal hump. Now it's a national championship. I think we all agree it's trending towards this being the end for him for various reasons. It may not be, but it looks like it could be that. And so for him to get this win Monday night would put a period on the end of a sentence of where he could legitimately move on and say, I did what I had to do. There you go. Yeah. For Kalen DeBoer, he's a coach that came through the blue collar style of coaching. (laughs) NAIA. Right. As a head coach. Won three titles there thought that I want to try this at a bigger level and goes and OCs at smaller FBS programs, goes to Fresno State, gets an opportunity to come to Washington, and this quickly has him in a position to win a national championship in the final year of the Pac-12. And when you look at the longevity of Jim Harbaugh, what he's been able to accomplish, taking a team to a Super Bowl now a national championship, and then a new guy who all he does is coach ball, I think you couldn't have any more opposite storylines yeah for what's about to transpire on Monday night. And look, you did a great job, you and McDonough, calling that game, detailing the story of Washington and everybody coming back, Michael Penix Jr. believing in what they were selling in Washington. All of that is all well and good, but the leaders, the coaches, with what they have coming in, to me, that, that, that it's just fascinating to me how each of them is going to sell the moment on Monday night. Well, I found fascinating sitting down with Kalen DeBoer, and he was talking about his experience at Sioux Falls and how he – was the head coach and he had to actually make the sandwiches they were playing a game in in nebraska i forget the name of the school it was like (laughs) nebraska wesleyan or something along the lines of that and they're on the bus driving from sioux falls south dakota on game day to go play a game that night in whatever city it was in nebraska and they stopped off at this rest stop and and they got out and he had to make sandwiches for his players for their pregame meal think about that <laughs> I mean, and, and, and I, I went off on a tangent about this the other day that 
Lance Leipold is similar yeah. in that he Very. came from Wisconsin, Whitewater, went to Buffalo in the MAC. Right. Now getting a shot at Kansas, everyone's like, oh, wow, this guy can coach. Well, yeah. Chris Kleiman, North Dakota State. Now he's got Kansas State in a good spot. All of this is to say, what I think this has done is it's opened the doors yes. for some of these guys that just know how to coach football. No question. I mean, we all hear GA stories. I mean, being with Mullen all, <laughs> all season, I know exactly where he GA'd, what he got paid, how they ate, where they slept. Those are blue collar as well. Right. But the story that you just told about Kalen and just everything he's been through, I think it's good for the sport. It I is. think if you can go find a guy that can coach ball and you believe in his philosophies, you can go anywhere you want with him. It does feel that way. And it's cool, too, to see teams that haven't been here in a long time. Right. Michigan's been close, right? But yeah. Washington, yeah, they've made the playoff. But, man, that 15, feels like a, they made it. 14, 16, 15, 16 I think. Yeah. But it feels like a generation ago. I mean, it really does. So, ultimately, regardless of the outcome on Monday, it is a win, I think, for the fan bases that feel like it's not possible. Because three, four years ago, how many people would have said Jim Harbaugh can win a national championship? I didn't think Michigan was set up personnel-wise, to compete with the Ohio State. Yeah. Whereas when Urban was there and Ryan Day came in, they were one of the only teams up north recruiting down south successfully. Yeah. So Urban had built a team of speed, whereas the Big Ten was always stuck, like, right here. Right. And I, I didn't think Michigan had the parts to it. Well, Jim Harbaugh comes in, changes that a little bit. And to your point, I mean, look how we're booking the four-team playoff, bookended it. We started with an Ohio State-Oregon National championships yeah. in Big Ten, Pacific Northwest, and we're ending it, no SEC, ACC, with Big Ten and Pacific Northwest. And all of this is to say that at the right time, with the right coach and the right personnel, I think the Pac-12, top to bottom, is the best conference in the country. It'd be hard to push back. And so, look, I think this is great for college football. Look, I, what Kirby's doing at Georgia, phenomenal. What Nick's done at, at Alabama, amazing and even Dabo during that run at Clemson. But this is good for the sport, to your point, to show that these teams that are north of the Mason-Dixon line in the middle of the country, you can play ball up north, and this is a good example of it. Yeah, it's been awesome, man. You've done a great job all year long, and we appreciate you, and we always watch your show and enjoy your show. Well, even when Feinbaum that. comes out and spouts off some ignorance, I can live with it. Yeah, I let you him. You take that in stride, by I, the yeah, way. Yeah, I just sit there and... You let him just wear it. But here's the thing. If, if I even slightly comment on it, then I just get killed. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, no. Just Don't dive there. in the deep end of the nah, pool. Nah, just like, Paul, thank you. Yes, 100%. Well, who's he firing this after this? Is he, if Harbaugh loses, is he firing Harbaugh? Like, what is, what is Feinbaum going No, but I believe do? he has Harbaugh's replacement already picked out. Does he? Yeah. Who is it? I can't Nick Saban? You. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Go put him in the program. <laughs> I love it. That'll do it here. Uh, Matty, we appreciate you, my friend. Oh, anytime. You're the best, bro. Have you ever dreamed of hitting the road in your very own customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter? Follow college football all season long by hitting all the biggest games in college football's most celebrated stadiums. At ESPN, we dreamed that dream, and with the help of Mercedes-Benz, we made it happen. This year, our very own Jen Latta has teamed up with Mercedes-Benz designers to create a road-ready, fully functional, state-of-the-art podcast studio on wheels. The ride is pure Mercedes-Benz with all-wheel drive and the latest driver assistance, safety, and tech. The podcast studio must be seen and heard to be believed. A spacious and chill conversation space with mics, camera, and mixing board to capture the action. On board, Jen Latta will be interviewing some of the biggest names in college football. All points to Mercedes-Benz for always bringing some extra. 
out back of the Sprinter, they're innovating, pushing the science of the tailgate, complete with grill, cooler, TV monitors, and more. This is hashtag van life meets the fan life. To get an inside look to this one-of-a-kind, blow-your-mind collaboration came together, visit mbvans.com slash Sprinter Labs. The Mercedes-Benz ESPN College Football Podcast Sprinter coming soon to a game near you. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence. The confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Always have to be joined by my boy here, Stanford Steve. We talk about so many different angles throughout the year, but we haven't had you on the podcast, bro. You're too busy. You're big time. No, no. College I'm game day. Here. Listen SVP. when I can. I listen when I can. You are I don't fan. know how you do it. What'd you do? Post game the other night from the field or the so, press box? Sometimes you just got to send it. Stuff was banging around in the back. You were just, <laughs> I'm here for the content. They, I, they said, hey, we're taking the set down, come hell or high water. So you just get your stuff done, all right? <laughs> McDonough had to get to the bar. We got to get going. Sure did. Right? I so, bet he did. All right, so let's talk about this game. Bunch of angles. Michigan favorite right now, four and a half. Yeah. Started at three and a half, steamed up to five, got back down to four and a half, has settled in. A lot of the money, though, now coming in on Washington. So what do you think? That's what I thought would happen. I, I really like Michigan and when it came out at three and a half. Uh, the four and a half, I think, starts to get a little dicey because now you talk about really what happens when these teams get in the red area. Yeah. Uh, when it comes down to me, though, I, I, I feel like everybody's going to talk about Michigan hasn't faced an offense like this. I don't think Washington's faced a defense yeah. like this. Like, I just being there at the Rose Bowl and seeing the depth Michigan has, like, it was like the tides were turned on your typical Alabama team that plays so many guys up front. And then you just see what Michigan wheeling guys in, in and out. Yeah, and they're so all guys. really effective. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, I thought five was fantastic, 32 was good. Those guys in the middle did a really good job. And, you know, they, they won the battle against Bama for sure. Now you got the Joe Moore Award winners. Um, I, I do feel like Michigan can dictate what Washington does. And what I mean is, I think they can make them one-dimensional. Yeah. I, I don't think Washington's going to be successful running the football. Now, what did Dylan Johnson win? 21 for 49, you know, in the in the Sugar Bowl. I, I don't I don't see that. I, I could see if Michigan has a lead, I think the pressure's more on Washington to chuck it. So I, I like Michigan. I, I'm trying to find some stuff to, to put them in a, you know, a money line parlay where we don't have to give any of the points. <laughs> so we're waiting for some more props to come out. Uh, an easy one is just throw Michigan and South Dakota State in a money line parlay. Well, South that's, Dakota State, that's, that's a get out of jail free. What yeah. Are, what yeah. are they, 13 and a half? Yeah, I think 12, something around there. So oh, so it's steaming down a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Montana coming yeah. in, come money on, coming come on in down. on the Chris. Let's Bring go. that price down. Uh, I love it. Uh, what about the total? Uh, 54 and a half is where it opens, steamed to 56. Yeah. I like the. I kind of like the under a little bit. That's Yes. I, mean, I, I, I do. T- I, it's hard for me to think both of these teams are going to score 30. Yeah. You know, like, I, I just don't see it. I, I love the idea of both offense coordinators are O-line guys. Yeah. And you know what they love to do, especially <laughs> if they have a lead. Right. I think that I, – I, I also think about how stubborn Michigan is in running the football. You know, it wasn't – didn't start out well. But I, I just – the the idea of Michigan and, like, somebody – you know, what's the flaw of the team? 
I, it's really hard because they, it's not their fault, but they haven't had to throw the football. Now, can Washington make them? I don't know. Washington defense is the most, I, I said before the playoff, they were the, the, the least talked about unit that I thought could make a big stand yeah. because they finally got guys uh, back healthy. Um, I thought they did a better job tackling than they did all year. Uh, so I look at I look at both defenses having the wherewithal. I do wonder about Washington's depth. Yeah, they're they're not they're not nearly as deep. And you know you just think about what these two teams went through to get here last week, and then just a typical game week of seven weeks. All the travel. I think I think the start. I was thinking first half under. Yeah. Two. I, I just feel like it's, there's a feeling out process. Um, and I think Michigan tackles so well. I don't see a lot of catch and runs for Washington. And then that factored in with Penix having to have that time, you know, to throw those deep post corners or to deep post whatever, you know, wherever they take those sure. routes. I think Michigan could get there with minimal guys. Uh, so I was thinking first half under. But, I, yeah, I do like – If you feel like if you like Michigan, you like the under. If you like Washington, you're going to take the over. Feels right? like that, yeah. I mean, I just – because if you're if you're Washington, I imagine you're just going to go money line too if you're that confident. And they've been good. They've been they've been pretty good. Uh, their overs, I think, are kind of split this year. They I know are. Mich- Michigan's. Yeah. They're seven and Michigan's, seven. Michigan's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I like the under. I, I, I could. I don't know, 27, 23, 27, 21. Unders on Michigan are actually eight and six. Unders on Washington are seven and seven. Um, but either way, I mean, shoot, I could see it going either way. I'm with you though. If you like. Aside, you are probably going to like a particular prop. For instance, Michael Penix over 291 and a half. If you like Washington, yeah. you're taking the over, over with Michael Penix. Like, you might as well just pair those together. Yep. I don't see a route for Washington to win the game where he doesn't throw for over 292 yards. Correct. Uh, and then Michigan, do you go Blake Corum yards? I mean, I, I, that's the one I have a hard time with. I was actually looking at carries. It was 21 and a half. I like that under. I still, I still feel like I just feel like possessions are going to be at a minimum. Correct. Both teams, there's like this misconception about Washington that they're like, oh, chuck it all over the yard, basketball and grass. That's not who they are. No. Like they get to the line of scrimmage and they play slow, and they spread you out. Yep. But they snap it with six, seven seconds on the play clock. So I think possessions are going to be shrunk. The great thing Washington also does, and that's what I was looking at, maybe like catch props. Like I, I like McMillan. Just because they, I mean, how many times he was in the backfield in yeah. the Sugar Bowl, oh, yeah. and they did that to get him the ball, just running a quick, you know, flare out to there to get. And Washington does that all the time. First play of the game, they run that double. Uh, uh, Thirty-seven runs the motion, and then he runs motion out. Yeah, you know, and they just throw a quick screen. They get four. You know, sometimes you see those teams get blown up, and it's like, all right, now it's second and twelve. That yeah. play, and then you see Westover run the wheel off of that later in the game. Yeah, and it's like, wow, and they, they had they had one in that it. back, and, and that throw was insane. Ridiculous, because they really defended it pretty well. Uh, so I was looking at Blake Corum under carries. I, I like, um, I could see Mullings doing something, and I'm still waiting for the Donovan Edwards that we saw last year. I, I just what's the huge, deal? There? I don't I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's a mental thing. Like he a huge drop right at midfield in the third quarter when Michigan needed a play, and then he basically wasn't in. He comes in, he throws the double pass. So, like, I was really interested in see what he does. Did they use him throwing the ball, uh, you know, as, a, as an easy throw for J.J.? He's, like, kind of the X factor, but I don't know what the numbers are going to be, so it's hard to take an over because yeah. he hasn't done I mean, the, the, right. the sample size is there now, yeah. right? And it's just – it hasn't come through. So, I was thinking catches for um, – McMillan and I like Colson Loveland. I, I think he's a guy. He's at like 33 yards 
I would look at him at over over yards. I, I think that's JJ's guy in the big games. I think it's Ohio State. Uh, I think it's Ohio State. He had close to like eighty. Yeah. And that was the, that was the guy. I mean, he caught the double pass. No doubt. But um, Michigan does a Harbaugh's done this forever at Stanford too. I look. They're so much more effective when the tight ends are tight in the formation of throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. They do a great job of getting through there. Uh, the first touchdown by Corum, it's set because Barner and Loveland just get to the second level from the line of scrimmage, and that just builds a wall for Corum to get out. So I think the tight ends are a huge factor uh, for J.J. I know how much he loves them. I, I, I do wonder about uh, Wilson uh, you know, creating separation. Sure. You know, so I, I like the tight ends, the, their overs and the receiving I'm, I'm great with that. And I don't know, for those that were watching on the YouTube channel just a moment ago, we had some ice that was making some noise in the background, some ice being driven by. Are they trying to, they trying to ice you out? Are they trying to cool you off? Are you hot on your picks or something? Well, we're over 500, thank God. We're finally. back. In 2024. We are back. I, I, I begged for it starting, I think, in October. Get me to 24. Hey, hope you just fell. It was it. just one of those years, man. But, uh. No, you're we just too sharp to for your own good. No, so this there, is a public year. There is. Oh God, was it ever? <laughs> oh my God. And, I mean, and you know, for us, it's really hard to cross that line. No, never. And I, and I just, I, I'd rather I lose on. I'd rather lose on a contrarian side mm. than win on a public side. It does feel like everybody. I, I, haven't, I haven't talked to anybody that likes Michigan. Really? With the points. I feel like I'm on an island have, you, might, you might need to visit with me uh, as we get a little closer to game time. Yeah, that might I, be my I'm, I'm on. I just don't know if I want to lay the four and a half. If it, if it gets the four, maybe even buy it, I don't know. If you like um, it at three and a half, you like it at four and a half. Tighten yeah, up. touchdowns in the red zone, <laughs> that's the huge thing. Stanford Steve, you can always check out his work with the SVP show, obviously the SVP pod. Uh, don't try, don't follow him on winners or whatever it winners is. Winners 4-1 last bad week. Beats, bad beats, we can find him on that. We yeah. can find him on that a few times for sure. It's amazing how we those keep coming ch- back. Check him on college game days at Stanford. We appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Thanks, bud. You the man. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, great visit with those guys. Really appreciate them taking a couple minutes out of their day. Busy busy schedules here in Houston for a lot of the talent, but we will tell you quickly about what we heard at Media Days. A big thing I wanted to find out was really just injury updates. And I'm not sure it's really breaking news, but Dylan Johnson is a go for Washington at running back. Will he be at 100%? He was a little reluctant to discuss exactly what the injury was and exactly how it went down, but 
course, that was the big play in the game against the Texas Longhorns that stopped the clock. He had to be actually taken off the field in a cart. He was able to walk off with some help there at the end of the game, but he is up and he is ready to go. Doesn't sound, at least at the moment, like he's gonna have any limitations. The other guy I wanted to check on was Jack Westover for the Washington Huskies. He's the tight end. I got to visit with him for a little bit. He said he's perfectly fine, has a, a little bit of an injury, but everyone's banged up at this point. He said he won't have any limitations whatsoever. So Jack Westover, the tight end, H-back, move-around guy there for the Huskies. He should be in a good spot. So looking at both rosters, visiting with Michigan, everyone's up. No, no issues there, no problems there. So everything should be good to go as far as availability and whether or not guys will be able to play at full strength. So that's pretty much it as, as far as <laughs> the things moving in. Usually at this time of year, we're kind of trying to read between the lines. Is this guy gonna go? Is this guy gonna go? Can this guy go? Can this guy not go? Everyone's up, everyone's ready to go. And we will continue to preview these games as best we can. I continue to ask all of you to like, to rate, and to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. We also would encourage you to go down, hit that thumbs up button on the bottom of the ESPN YouTube page. That would be awesome as well. Subscribe to the ESPN College Football page and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. So for all of us here at Always College Football, we have a cast of thousands here in the Houston area. And as a Dallas-Fort Worth guy, I feel like there's been a warm embrace among the Houston locals. Houston and Dallas, there's no love lost, but this week we're all coming together in favor of a terrific championship setting here in H-Town. So for all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, the other Jack, I'm Greg, and our wonderful local camera crew here in Houston, we appreciate you guys being with us, and remember, it's always college football.